your body always knows best. And in most cases, it's serving a higher power protecting you from yourself. In many ways, fighting this higher power will only strengthen its resolve. So to unlock the body from head to toe, we need to work with our body's innate intelligence. When a muscle's tight, your brain is the one doing the tightening. Muscles do not have minds of their own. And while the complexities of our physiology are not necessary for the average person to understand, respecting that they exist is essential. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. That is the story of human progress. One inch at a time. I'm your host, Joe DiStefano, and you're listening to Stack. Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome to the show today. I'm excited to be chatting with you. As always, this is Friday, and I hope you guys are in love or at least having fun. Hey, so what I wanted to do today is to kind of chat about warm-ups and specifically uh, my morning warm-up, my morning routine that I call Breathe Better, Move Better. And you guys can go download it for free right now. All you have to do is head on over to rungalife.com. And at the top there, you'll see that we've now made this ebook that I wrote a couple of years ago that's been for sale on my website for quite some time. It's now totally free. So what I'm going to do, because there's been some questions about some of the things in the book, um, I wanted to just walk you through it. And so what you can do right now is head on over to rungolife.com, download it, and get on the same page as me. And as you are doing that, I'll kind of explore... Uh, a little bit of my journey, and I've talked about this on some some previous shows, kind of way back. But um, you know, when I when I first started, you know, I was trained as as most are and were that you know the body is a little utilitarian, and you know you gotta you gotta stretch, you gotta stretch before you move, and you know that's how you reduce your injuries. And and over the course of time, you know, I became kind of a, a personal trainer that pushed his clients to stretch. And what stretches did they do? Well, whatever they felt like they needed. And more often than not, it was, you know, your run-of-the-mill stretching program. If you've been on your computer too long, you know, make sure you, you know, push your, you know, put your hand against the wall and kind of turn away from it or in a doorway. That was one of my favorites. You have the 90-degree arm and you just kind of stretch your pec out a little bit. Uh, You know, quads, you know, before you, you know, before you run, you know, you got to stretch your hamstrings. And so what ended up happening was, you know, people just kind of did these arbitrary stretches and and that type of stretching program really doesn't do the body good because the body is one piece. And that's why if you listen to the episode I recently did with Mike Fitch, uh, you know that the body is one piece and the movements that are going to create a scenario where the body loosens up those muscles that are stuck is a body that has proficiency in a broad array of different movements and different uh, kind of balanced um, kind of stabilization patterns. So if you've only got one hand on the floor, as an example, your body knows how to deal with that. If you've got one arm overhead and the other one, you know, at your side, as an example, or whatever the case may be, the body has to kind of equalize whatever stress we place on it. And more often than not, remember, the core is a movement preventer 
more than it's a movement creator, which is why, you know, sit-ups and things are, you know, and people have been saying this for decades now, but sit-ups are kind of useless for the core. And that's where the plank came in because we realized that we need anti-rotation. We need anti-side bend stuff. We don't need more movement because the problem is, is when I'm carrying a heavy load with one arm, maybe it's my suitcase back when people used to go to work, you know, when I don't want to side bend without control because there's a weight only on one side. And so we kind of went down that path. And that's a great kind of way to think about the body. And if you're doing an arbitrary stretching program, then what's happening is you're not uniting anything and you're kind of taking that pec as an example out of context and just cranking on it, trying to get that muscle to tighten. But what you don't realize is that it's tight because it's trying to prevent motion for whatever reason. Uh, You know, if you've been at your computer too long, it's really time to try to get your air deep and maybe, you know, unlock those hips because the upper body might just be a reflection of what's happening down below. And, you know, fast forward, you know, my kind of uh, education in this began, I I went to a workshop led by uh, Thomas Myers after reading his book, Anatomy Trains. And I picked up that book because I had a bunch of desk jockeys that got fasciitis. And every time I felt like I was really getting their upper bodies into a place where they were happy with it, you know, they were strong and, you know, their shoulders were, you know, pulled back and their their head was too, screwed on nice and tight and <laughs> nice and straight and all of a sudden they get fasciitis and so this was the whole thing where I've talked about the toothpaste tube when we kind of don't appreciate the stability and the prerequisites to mobility and we start cranking on muscles well if you successfully get that muscle to loosen i.e. the chest in that scenario or in that example then your body will eventually be like, fine, geez, you want the pecs looser. Okay, they were tight for a reason, but let's loosen them up because you seem to want to do that. But hey, without asking, the body's going to go tighten up your your butt or it's going to tighten, it's going to reduce your hip flexor or hip extension. It's going to tighten up part of your spine, thoracic spine. It's going to change something else. And, you know, it's the sort of, you can never just change one thing. So that is why we need a, a much more kind of robust approach. Now, when I started to talk about the toothpaste and, you know, the um, the idea that if you just stretch your pack, you know, that's the game where you're going to stretch, you know, that's the game where you're going to pull a hamstring because you toothpasted the dysfunction down and same goes the other way. So what I began to do is I began either top down or bottoms up. And this was 15 years ago now, but um, I would start just either stretching, you know, some, some neck circles, then some like, you know, some arm swings and then maybe some hip stuff. And then the, the hands on the knees, the old school hands on the knees circles, and then some ankle circles. So you kind of toothpasted your way down or you go the other way and you start with those ankle circles and then you go with the knee circles and then you go with the hip circles and then you kind of go with the upper body rotations and arm swings and then you start to roll the neck around. So that is like the, you know, that is probably the simplest warm up ever, but it's probably more effective than a lot of the stuff that goes on just because you're at least appreciating the sort of top down, bottom up. And if you did do some toothpasting, well, hopefully you pushed it right out the top or right out the bottom. And that kind of laid the groundwork for Breathe Better, Move Better, as well as the Runga Balls, which are also on the Runga Life website. You just click uh, shop and they're right there, mobility balls. Um, And that was sort of um, another kind of idea born from this. And then, you know, for about a decade, I was traveling the world and 
uh, a wanting to bring a mobility solution that that fit in my backpack without bringing a three foot long foam roller, but also dealing with athletes that were lower limb dominant athletes, runners, right? And nothing works as well as you know what began as a lacrosse ball. And the reason is is that the fascia, the fascial system that I've chatted about a lot, and we'll link in the show notes to the uh, the podcast with Dr. Perry Nicholson, the podcast with Steve Capabianco, and a future episode with Dr. Emily, and I don't want to completely destroy her last name here, Splitchell. Uh, um, I just call her Dr. Emily. But anyway, she's amazing. Her show is going to go live probably the first week of February, and it's going to blow your minds. Uh, we talk a lot about fascia and the feet. Well, um, when you read Anatomy Trains, you learn that you know there is a single sheath of fascia that basically runs from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. And so that is responsible for a lot of what I was referring to as the toothpaste. And so I started to just get obsessed with the bottom of the feet. And sure enough, lo and behold, doesn't matter if it was a desk jockey or a professional runner, you take care of the lower limb, that hip stuff gets a little bit better. That that back stuff gets a little bit better. That shoulder stuff gets a little bit better. In fact, a lot of people that have like a rounded, anteriorly rotated shoulder, if you take care of the lower limb, um, all of a sudden that kind of that shoulder sits nice and flush. It goes right back where it's supposed to go because the body knows where things belong. And that is kind of the, um, the idea here. So, uh, and maybe at the end, I'll chat a little bit about, um, aerobic warmups because there's of course a lot of different objectives and, and, concepts with a quote warm up, right? And generally speaking with, with the people that I work with on an aerobic day, you know, it's the kind of thing like swig your coffee, reach for the sky, get on the bike and go. Um, and if it's a lifting session where they're going to be say pressing something way overhead, well then there might be four or five, six exercises. Um, and we're going to really kind of focus on this, but the idea, the real kind of, uh, you know, kind of lesson I would love to just share with the world is, if you take care of yourself, you take 10,000 steps a day, you have a morning flow or a morning routine, uh, your need for a warm-up is dramatically reduced. So our obsession with you know the 30-minute warm-up for the 15-minute workout uh, has come from the fact that everyone was walking into the gym after eight hours on their ass. And if that's not the case, it's so in other words, you're, you're, you're only doing that robust, crazy warm-up to compensate for a dysfunctional lifestyle. And ultimately, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you actually needed your fitness, so, you know, let's say you were witness to some kind of emergency where you had to pick up something heavy, you're not going to be like, Hey, uh, I need about 36 minutes in order to do a, you know, 225 pound deadlift. Actually, quick, funny story, Amelia, she, um, she got this coffee table, right? And the thing was marble. And she decided she wanted to return it. And basically, there was this whole thing, right? Like, we were in Europe. We knew we were going to move back to the U.S. Black Friday, we were trying to capitalize because we knew we needed a ton of furniture because we basically sold a lot of our furniture in California and we were relocating to a new state. And da, 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 da. So anyways, Black Friday, she's like cleaning up, getting us ready. Buys this marble coffee table because it was a good deal with free shipping and all this jazz. And um, obviously free shipping on a marble, anything is, is a good thing. So anyway, she buys this thing and then we get here. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Really tied the room together. Um, uh, but we realized like, holy smokes, like baby's starting to move around. 
this coffee table, like he crawls under that thing and gets up too quick. He's going to like bust his head, right? Because this thing is just like solid rock. So anyways, we decide to return it. And so I need to now get this damn coffee table, which by the way, was delivered by like a team of three guys that like brought it into our house and whatever. Um, um, anyways, I have to now return this thing. And, you know, basically in the place that we live now, you know, most of my neighbors are just, you know, houses that are half built. So we don't really have any like allies. I don't really have anybody that I can just be like, Hey, Bill, you know, come on over, help me move this freaking heavy coffee table. So long story short, I end up, no joke, picking this coffee table up, nearly killing myself to get it out to the truck, into the back of my truck. And then I, you know, I had it like a blanket laid down and I protected it. But anyways, I get back to the store. I get to the store to return it. And they're like, you know, they asked me the question. I said, oh, I got it in there, but I need you guys to take it out. I'm pretty smoked. They're like, you know, this is 300 pounds, right? <laughs> so anyways, I was pretty excited that I, I wrestled a 300 pound marble coffee table by myself out of a room, into the garage, into my truck. That's a good example of like, you know, my max deadlift right now is, is I don't know, maybe 375 in terms of like, if I were to say like, what can I tell you for sure I can lift right now? Probably, I could probably do a double with it. Maybe a triple, who knows? But um, that's a pretty high percentage of max to just be like, all right, I'm going to like, you know, puff up my chest and just get this thing done because I just found out how much we paid for this thing and I'm excited to get get it back and returned anyway. I'm as excited as she is. Anyway, okay. So I kind of diverged there. But but um, I do want to, I'll tie up with a way to um, kind of warm up aerobically. And, and really, I guess I'll just do it now. Sorry, I'm like all over the place. But, um, you know, when you warm up aerobically, which is generally a good idea, even before your strength training, because, um, and again, like I said, if you're doing aerobic work, you know, a couple of world's greatest stretches or a couple of ankle mobs or, um, you know, five minute yoga flow, whatever it might be. And then just jump on the bike, row or run, whatever you want to do. Um, but again, that's that's predicated on 10,000 steps per day type lifestyle. But uh, when you are doing strength stuff and you're going to do the longer, more robust warm up because you want to make sure your upper body is is warmed up or your lower body is good, your back is safe, etc. You still want to warm up the aerobic system. So I I push people to do you know at least five minutes, which is the oldest general warm up ever. Do five minutes on the treadmill before you do anything. Um, I kind of blow that out to 10 minutes. And then we put a little bit of like a, an asterisk, like you got to burn at least a hundred calories. If you're on a machine, if you're, you know, if you're running a mile or something fine, but if you're on a rower or a fan bike, you know, something like this, then like, just make sure you burn at least a hundred calories. And, you know, ideally you should get like 120 or, you know, something like that. You want it to be nasal breathing, what I call math, which is uh, kind of based on the Phil Maffetone method. Um, so your, your general warm up is usually, you know, 10 minutes. And then sometimes we'll do like, you know, EMOM stuff, either like five calories EMOM for uh, 10 minutes. So the 10 minute general warm up, and then maybe uh, 10 minutes of EMOM exhalation holds or EMOM five calorie sprints. So it's just some short stuff to kind of push the system that much further, depending on what we're going to be doing. So I guess that's a, a quick and dirty way to explain that. Now, let us dive into breathe better, move better, and hopefully you guys uh, have already downloaded it. All right, so 
Um, so as you see here, breathe better, move better, a daily practice to optimize your movement patterns, reduce chronic pain, and turbocharge your energy. And there's a picture of yours truly really getting some length out of that hamstring on the beach. All right, so how I got here. The concepts contained in this book have emerged from thousands of hours working with individuals, young and old, athletic and sedentary, as well as my personal experience rehabilitating from ATBI. Uh, this challenge has taken me on a journey of exploration within the fields of mental and physical wellness, setting out to understand foundational health, high performance, and everything in between. Across this time, and through a series of fortunate coincidences rich in aha moments, the practice I chose to empower clients with was formed. Now, these exercises that I'm about to share have the power to dramatically improve our mobility and unlock dormant fitness within us. Through precise application and sequencing of movement and pressure to specific linchpin areas of the body, we can shift our own subtle energies. By allowing the body to reset and recalibrate itself, this improved energy flow frees us from being anchored into compromised postures and patterns. As I explained to my coaching clients, the body wants the same pain-free fit body as you do. It just needs the proper signals in order to naturally move towards its most optimal state. And although you likely stumbled onto this book through seeking the direct physiological shifts mentioned above, perhaps even more important is their impact on the quality of the 23,000 more or less breaths that we cycle through each day. It's no secret that the physical and emotional body are reflections of one another. With this improvement in breath quality and refinement in movement, our overall health and emotional body finds balance, helping us process emotions impacting our awareness of our actions and beliefs, and enabling us to sense our connectedness to the world around us. Athletes, performance performers, pilots, lawyers, students, and weekend warriors alike. Breathe Better, Move Better is a recipe that all can enjoy. This practice can help us feel better and more able in our own bodies. They can anchor us to our inner strength and connect us with a new quality of life. Many will certainly find that there is a richness to be experienced, a flavor that we didn't know our taste buds could perceive that emerges in our daily life. I found that starting my mornings with Breathe Better, Move Better flow is an enjoyable preparation for a mindful day, helping me to be present for the life that's here and have a mind and heart state that can hold it all. Now, this is the truth. Like I said, I, I was a full-time trainer for over a decade, working with 40-plus hours per week of clients, so uh, quite a few people. And then after that, I actually began to do programming for over 15,000 people. So my programs got simpler and simpler and simpler. I've talked about this before, where the nutrition plan was, you know, what do you do when your nutrition plan is going out to 15,000 people? Well, you say drink half your body weight in ounces per day, aim for 100 grams of protein, and cut sugar. That's the nutrition plan because that is something that is that, that works in almost all cases, very few exceptions. Um, and so one of the things that, that my experience has taught me is that, you know, we are all holding patterns. We're holding emotions. We're holding, uh, you know, our shoes, our, our jobs, our stressors, 
our energies, they're all contributing to the body that we experience our life through. And when we do begin to use this practice, I want you to think about some of the exercises that we're going to do in terms of the chakra system. And this is kind of what some of that intro was alluding to. When we are kind of moving through some of these chakral areas, and you'll see there's a lot of exercises that move kind of the, the midsection, which is where, you know, kind of our lowest chakras are, including things like Sufi grinds. And when you're doing this, and I even added a little paragraph here after, after we put the book out, I, I added this and put it back up because um, at times, if your mobility, if you have back pain and uh, that back pain is related to some kind of emotional holding or trauma in that root chakra, which is very common, you can even get emotional or you can start to feel energy moving as you're doing some of the exercises contained in this book. And so I explained that this breathe better, move better flow moves some of that stagnant energy in the body, and it can release some of these emotional barriers, especially when you do this practice consistently. It's normal for some emotion to materialize during the practice, and if it happens, pause and invite it in. That's how you get rid of it. Sometimes it's unexpected, and so you think it's a fluke, like you know you just got hit with a gust of wind, or you're getting triggered by the song that's playing, etc. You're not realizing that no, like you just moved some energy that that you hadn't moved in a long time. So if that happens, feel free to take time to sit in silence uh, until you're ready to move on to the next exercise, and simply close your eyes and envision yourself breathing into your heart. This is incredibly powerful. This was um, Ramdas. Uh, has a meditation on sound cloud, I think it's called. And basically, he has you envision that you have a hole right in the front of your chest, and you envision yourself breathing in and out directly in and out of your heart. It's an incredibly powerful meditation. It immediately pushes my whole world into the ether. Um, Anyways, I would highly advise that that little practice. And if it feels natural, place your hand on your heart and just breathe gently and deeply through your nose until you've passed that emotion. But I would say sit with it as long as you can. Now, piggybacking what I've said before, um, you know, this is the before you begin section of the book. You know, we are often led to believe that we need these highly elaborate, specialized, masochistic solutions to unlock our movement and our flexibility. The rhetoric is is uh, has become that that we have to conquer our bodies. That there are these utilitarian things that are constantly fighting against our higher ambitions. You know, if if only my hip flexor would loosen up, I'd be this or that. As you know, my traps just don't loosen. Those types of comments actually create the stress that you're trying to fight. And so the sort of, you know, rhetoric around the, you know, the um, Theraguns and all of this stuff, those can be great in a therapeutic setting or, you know, you've got a big event tomorrow and you've got a, a muscle, but that should never be the day in, day out practice. In fact, if you're finding yourself needing the Theragun every single day, then then something isn't right. In fact, you're overusing, you're understabilized, you're you're too weak here, you're too strong there. There's definitely something going on and that should not be necessary. So um, one of the things that I feel is that the perspective that we've kind of landed on where our body is fighting against us, it neglects the body's genius that I alluded to a minute ago. Your body always knows best, and in most cases, it's serving a higher power protecting you from yourself. In many ways, 
fighting this higher power will only strengthen its resolve. So to unlock the body from head to toe, we need to work with our body's innate intelligence. When a muscle's tight, your brain is the one doing the tightening. Muscles do not have minds of their own. And while the complexities of our physiology are not necessary for the average person to understand, respecting that they exist is essential. So with this book, I would love to end the era of forcing muscles relax through these harsh self-inflicted therapies day after day. It's just not a sensible long-term solution for chronic muscle tightness. And let us find a means of nourishing our bodies consistently with just a few simple practices each day. During the Breathe Better, Move Better flow, take the opportunity to expose your skin to sunlight, to breathe in fresh, clean air, and have your bare feet touching the earth. These are major bonus points. This is going to allow you to get so much more out of this powerful practice. But if it's raining, if it's cold, if it's snowy, then you can do it inside on your yoga mat. And if you want to check out the one I use, you can head to the show notes. Um, I believe this is episode 95, but I'm not quite sure. Anyways, this is um, I'll link in the show notes to my yoga mat because it is super, super duper cool. All right. Now, the Runga Ball. This book has four sections. The first one is the Runga Ball. The second one are some stretches that I do enjoy doing and that I recommend. The third is something I call priming. And these are exercises that they're, they're important to kind of set the stage for the movement that follows. So the next group is called breathing. Um, priming essentially puts your body into gear. It unlocks some of that sort of stagnant energy and so that you can really let go of tension in the following section. All right, so the Runga Ball, it's about 20% uh, softer than a lacrosse ball by design because I want you guys to kind of put up to 20 pounds of force into that ball. Um, but if it's really rock solid, you're going to be tough. It's going to be tough to do that. And so, um, if you're in pain or if you're using a standard lacrosse ball or God help you, if you're using a golf ball, um, you know, you might need to kind of be a little bit lighter with it. Um, and if you do use a runga ball, then it's just a little bit softer. So you can usually put a little bit more force into it and really kind of work through some of that fascia, but don't put yourself into a ton of pain. So Begin with the heel on the floor and the ball beneath the big toe. Now, you're going to swivel your foot. Now, make sure you're standing kind of upright, and you can even move your leg kind of all the way from the hip and really just kind of teach your body kind of how to move and also occasionally kind of wiggle your toes, and that's going to kind of allow this to upload a little bit because you're kind of reminding your body. You're kind of moving. You're breaking apart some of those adhesions and some of the fascia under your foot, and then you're reminding it that here are the toes that need to move freely as a result of this new motion. Do that for, you know, at least a minute or two on each leg, up to five minutes on each foot, depending on how badly it hurts. If it hurts a lot, then you want to kind of start light and you might end up doing four or five minutes on each foot and just progressively putting a little bit more pressure. And by the way, you know, this is like, you know, you could say it's like brushing your teeth, in terms of how often you want to do it, you want to do it at least each each morning and, and let's say at night. But if, if you walked in and you hadn't brushed your teeth in, you know, a couple of years, then I would say, hey, you might want to brush after every meal. You might want to brush, you know, right now. You might want to go home, skip your workout and go brush your teeth. So that's the sort of thing where, 
you know, ultimately the maintenance dose of this stuff is, is once or twice a day, but, you know, depending on your situation, you might need it a heck of a lot more. After that, we're going to move the ball to the arch of the foot. Now, the arch of the foot is where people get, they can get a lot of pain. And so uh, this time you want to keep the heel and the toes off the ground. You want to put, you know, at least 10 or 15 pounds of force, you know, if, if your foot was stepping on a bathroom scale, but, you know, ideally you put about 20 pounds in and you just want to scour, scour excuse me, your entire arch for trigger points. And a lot of times, you know, right at the base of that big toe pad, you'll get some, um, with some people it's back towards the, uh, back towards the heel. Um, so when you, when you find those spots, even like on the outside, you can even kind of, uh, kind of turn your foot a little bit to really kind of hit the sort of, uh, interior of that arch. Uh, but wherever those triggers are, find them and just kind of keep the ball right there and just really small movements and just dig those things out. The next thing we want to do is improve the dorsiflexion of your ankle. And so how we're going to do that is to unlock the anterior tib. Now to do this, there is an alternative way to do this. And that is simply by basically kneeling and sitting with your butt on your heels. And you can just put the runga ball like under your shin and kind of weight yourself and really put some pressure into it. Uh, but I have found this way to be just a little bit better, especially in terms of improving the mobility of the foot. So if you begin sitting on the floor, uh, knees bent or minimally the knee that you're going to start with. Um, and what you want to do is kind of feel around, uh, for your shin bone. So if you kind of bring, let's say your right knee up, your left leg can stay straight. And then you want to kind of feel around for your shin bone. And then when you fall to the outside, so you fall to the outside of that shin bone onto some meat, that is the anterior tip. And so what you want to do is begin right at the top. So find where that muscle really begins and throw the ball right there, right at the outside of that shin bone. And beginning at the top of that kind of meat, beginning at the top of that muscle, you want to knead the body, uh, excuse me, knead the ball into the muscle with that 10, 15, 20 pounds of force. Now stay in exactly one spot for about 20 to 30 seconds and then move down about a centimeter. So you want to move very, very, very slowly here. And eventually what's going to happen is you're going to find some really, really tender points if you're anything like many of the people that I've done this with. Once you find those points, need for a minute or longer. And as you do, when you find that trigger point and it's pretty darn painful and you're pulling, you're more or less pulling the ball into your, into the meat of the muscle, what you want to do is kind of need, 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 then pull the ball into the meat of the muscle as you circle the foot. So at that point, you want to draw five big circles clockwise and five big circles counterclockwise with your foot. And it is off the ground, by the way. So your, your foot is kind of suspended in midair and you're doing five each way. And then you want to continue one centimeter down uh, and continue this process. Now, this anterior tip, when you kind of knock loose some of the adhesions and some of the stuck fascia, you're going to have a lot more dorsiflexion. So 
immediately after you do this, you want to make sure it's a 10,000 step day because that's how you're going to upload the software that you are teaching your body through this release. Now, from here, you'll see I take you through the psoas, the upper traps, which is absolutely one of the best things to do with the two runga balls. And then, of course, the pecs, which is kind of the old school. You can do this against the wall. Um, these are pretty self-explanatory. They're in the book. You can download it if you haven't already. Just head on over to rungalife.com, click the link at the top, put your email in, and you get the book for free. Now, uh, the upper traps is one that is important for me to kind of chat through. And what you do here is you place two runga balls, uh, you know, three inches apart at the top of your upper back and you lay on the balls and you lift your hips into a floor bridge. So the balls are basically, you know, the weight of your body is actually driving the balls deeper into your upper back muscles into those upper traps. And what you want to do from that position is kind of just kind of, first of all, just kind of cycle your breath. And then what you can do is actually kind of move in your hips a little bit. And you'll feel that starting to knead the body, knead the balls into those muscles. Now, once you find like you've really kneaded them into those upper traps, now you want to kind of tighten your triceps um, and pull the arms overhead as you think about those balls kind of relaxing the upper traps. And as you envision your scapulas kind of posteriorly rotating just a little bit. Now, when you do this, consider shoulders are ear poison. This is a common teaching I use in kettlebells. Shoulders are ear poison. One of the reasons upper traps are tight in so many people is because they elevate when they run. Their their shoulders come up or when, they, when they're going to even bench press, they shrug the shoulders. When they're a rowing machine, they shrug their shoulders. So they're just on all the time. So what we want to do with this overhead reach is think about the scaps rotating kind of posteriorly, which means backwards as you keep those triceps tight and arms straight, because a lot of times people actually bend the elbows here. And that's because the bicep is tight. The bicep becomes the deltoid. The deltoid becomes the traps. So all of a sudden the pecs and the traps, everything's involved. So what we want to do is kind of lift those arms as high as you possibly can without bending the elbows. And if you feel like they automatically bend, then that's just that bicep tendon tightness. So go as far as you can and just think about kind of improving that over time. But that is a powerful one. And I'll link in the show notes to a video that I've got of that as well. It's one that I use all the time. Now, moving on, and, and there is one more exercise that I love to do with the rugga balls. And I've got a video of this on Instagram that I'll, I'll send over to my team to put in the show notes as well. And that's the suboccipitals. And I'll talk you through it, guys. Basically, there's these eight little muscles uh, at the very tippity top of your spine. And really, if you take your hands and you kind of you know, you kind of grab your neck and so your thumbs are, you know, you put your, you take your hands, put them to your upper back so your thumbs are on your upper traps. Now I want you to ride your thumbs up the back of your neck and in the base of your skull, you might find like two little parking spots. Those little parking spots, if you continue to knead your thumbs in, they are home to eight little muscles called the suboccipitals. And these suboccipitals are at the very top of the spine and they respond to your eye movement. So if your eyes look up, your spine considers you are going to extension. If your eyes look down, 
these suboccipitals tell your spine you're moving into flexion, which is one of the dangers of looking down all the times at, at phones and computers, because if we're always looking down, we're constantly telling the spine that we want to be in a flex state. So when we think about why we have upper cross posture, why we have round shoulders, tight pecs, tight traps, it's because we're always looking down. So when you are doing your 10,000 steps, walking your dog or whatever, uh, keep those eyes up. You know, I used to try to count windows in tall buildings in Boston because I used to walk around there all the time. Um, and that was how I used my, my depth perception, distance sight, and also had my head more up because at work all day, it's looking down. Anyways, cool way to release these two things um, or these eight little things is to put the runga balls in those two parking spots and simply lay on them for three, four, five minutes. And what that'll do is actually inhibit them over time and let you kind of reset and recalibrate a little bit. And the cool thing uh, about this fascial train that I talked about that starts in the bottom of the foot and goes all the way up to the head, this is one of the linchpin areas of that of that train. And so what you can see is if you lie on the ground, this is a party trick that I like to pull out sometimes. If you lie on the ground and just test your hamstring length. So just lift your leg as high as you can on both sides. And then put the runga balls into the base of your skull. Let them sit there for three or four minutes. You can move your eyes around a little bit. And then take those runga balls out and retest that hamstring and don't be surprised if it's three, four, five inches or more, more free to move. So in other words, you can add three or four or five inches to that hamstring test just by releasing these suboccipitals without touching the hamstring. So that's kind of proof of these fascial trains. Now, once you kind of knock loose the uh, lower limbs and you kind of move up the body and you go to the psoas, the pecs and the upper traps, and then the suboccipitals, You've toothpasted quite a bit, but you've also tackled a lot of these linchpin areas of the body. And don't be surprised if you stood up right now that you feel a heck of a lot better because you've already put a signal or you've removed a negative signal. You've reset a lot of these linchpin areas of the body that hold a lot of our stiffness. And if the stiffness was in, say, the feet or in that anterior tib, then it gets toothpasted up the body with every step. So after people release their feet in their anterior tib, as an example, I often just have them stand and they say, holy smokes, I feel a heck of a lot better. And so take a test for yourself right now and just stand around, put this on pause and just see how you feel because it wouldn't surprise me if you feel pretty darn awesome. Now, when you're ready, part two, we go through some stretches here. Now, of course, you know, I am, I'm not huge on stretching, but I think it does kind of, it plays a role. And after, you know, you do the, the release of the arch as an example with the runga ball, you want to add some length to that thing. And then you want to take those 10,000 steps. The 10,000 steps are probably the most important thing, but it's important to connect with your body and go through a really kind of targeted and conscious practice of moving your body and, and adding some love to it and, and adding some length to some of these areas. So the big toe sit can be pretty painful. Do it for at least 20 to 30 seconds as you cycle your breath. Come out of it as you must and repeat two, three, four, five repetitions of this. The lying hamstring is simply a supine 
hamstring stretch where we're extending our knee. And so we're really targeting kind of that calf hamstring inter intersection where, where that calf runs into the hamstring, which is where a lot of people uh, get tight and that can lead to some of the knee pain. Now, while you're in the end range of this, you guessed it, you can turn that foot five times clockwise, five times counterclockwise with each rep or so. And if you do that during a three to five second hold at the end range, you can really add some great mobility to the ankle. The hip flexor stretch from here, you want to tuck your tail. So you can elevate this stretch by elevating the front leg on a four to six inch yoga block or a aerobic step. And then you're really going to get a lot out of this stretch. But if you don't have that, just go to a half kneeling position, tuck your tail, which means posteriorly tilt your pelvis if you're an anatomical person. And as you do that, you're going to tighten your glutes and lean into the stretch. You're going to kind of push your weight forward, hold for three to five seconds at end range, which is uh, likely not as far from where you started as if we were doing an old school runner's hip flexor stretch where we kind of uh, push all the way through and our lower back is totally arched, etc. No, no. What we want to do here is posteriorly tilt, squeeze the glutes, and then push forward. And it's only a very small range of motion. And after that three to five second pause at end range, you want to repeat for five to 10 repetitions. Then switch sides. This adductor stretch is great as well. So the big thing here is you want that, that foot that you have cast out. Of course, you want the knee straight and you want the quads actually tight. So how we get into position here is we begin on all fours. We kick one leg out to the side, extending it fully, making sure the foot is facing forwards. You want to maintain an arch in your lower back as you're doing this. And so one of the cool things about real yoga is we think of yoga as like one big stretching session oftentimes, but in reality, it's supposed to be really reciprocal in nature. In other words, if your hamstring is lengthening, your quad is supposed to be tightening. And a lot of yoga teachers don't teach it that way. But if you read some of the old yoga books, you know, it's always telling you to tighten the opposing muscle just as much as it's telling you to lengthen the muscle being stretched. So we want to abide by that here. And so we kick that leg out, we tighten the quad, we arch the back. So we've created a scenario where we're not going to let some of these other areas compensate we're only going to target this adductor, which is an area that's really hardwired to the core as well. So if your core is not really functioning super well, you can get a lot of adductor tightness. What we want to do here is shift back as you maintain that lower back arch. And when you get to the end range, and that's where that lower back arch starts to leave you, that's where you want to hold for three to five seconds. Once you kind of hold, release, come forward a few inches, reset if you need to, and repeat. Five on each side is usually a really good place to start, but of course, you can go all the way up to 10 and switch sides, do one or two sets, and move on. Glute stretch. This is a simple pigeon stretch. Begin on all fours, swing both feet to the right, then lift and extend your right leg backwards over your left. This is going to put you into the pigeon pose, drop to your elbows, and relax. Hold for 60 seconds, breathing steadily. This is an amazing glute stretch. So again, we're kind of moving up the body. I didn't really put any uh, T-spine stretches in because we're going to move those a lot in just a second. So we go straight to the neck. Uh, and on this one, 
we're just going to begin kneeling. We're going to kind of uh, close our eyes. We're going to put our right arm behind the body as we slowly lower our head to the left. Then what we're going to do is gently assist with your left hand and kind of help that neck kind of bend that head to the left. You're going to hold for three to five seconds at that comfortable end range. And you can actually get some bonus points if you kind of peek your eyes open and look back as you're in that stretch. That's really going to lengthen that SCM muscle. And what you should do is hold for three to five seconds at end range and repeat two to five reps before switching sides. Now, this next part of the book is called priming. Now, priming, this is what's going to get our bodies kind of reprogrammed. So what we did is we basically unlocked with the runga ball. We unlocked those linchpin areas of the body. Then we stretched some of those same areas in order to just make sure we got what we wanted from the runga ball. Make sure that we kind of hit the right areas, if for nothing else, with our consciousness as we begin to reprogram. Now, priming is just what it sounds like. We're priming the pump. We are uploading some new software that we're going to take into some of the breathing drills. So with priming, one of the best exercises in this entire book is plate breathing because it just really teaches people how to breathe into their bellies. And by the way, I've talked about this on a lot of shows, but when you breathe, you really should get 360 degree expansion. So in other words, you should be able to breathe into your pelvic floor, into your belly, into your obliques, into your lower back, into your chest. It really should go everywhere and you should really have some some ability to kind of feel that. Now, most of the time, people are pretty far from that full yoga breath. Uh, and so we start them with belly breathing, but know that that's not the end goal, but it's absolutely where you need to begin reprogramming. So plate breathing is perfect and a great way to warm up. All you got to do is begin laying flat, face up with your knees bent and feet flat on the floor. Place a two and a half pound weight plate, or, you know, you could use a book if you're in a pinch or, you know, I don't know, a bottle of your Keon Aminos or something and, and put it right on the belly button. Now, breathe deeply so that your inhale actually lifts the plate or objects and exhale as they lower into your abdomen. So you can continue this for three to five minutes or longer, just lifting and lowering whatever it is you have on your belly. A two and a half plate works. Two and a half pound plate works very well because it allows you to really kind of have some good feedback because you're, you're actually lifting something some somewhat substantial. Next, you want to go to happy baby. And what this is going to do is after you do plate breathing, you've really programmed some strong belly breath, but then you go to happy baby. Now you've increased intra-abdominal pressure and your legs are kind of even creating some pressure right on the area we started to breathe to. So this sends a lot more of your air posteriorly and helps you fill those kind of back chambers of your torso that can be really hard to get air into. So think about belly breathing, but realize you're probably getting more lateral expansion here than you were on the plate breath, which is by design. And this is something else you should repeat for three to five minutes. Now, spinal flexes. Now, one of the rules um, kind of moving forward here is 
we're going to use anatomical breathing. Anatomical breathing means when your body goes into extension or when your spine goes into extension, that's an inhale. And when it goes into flexion, that's an exhale because that's the natural state of the body. If you just take a big breath, you probably go into some extension. And if you go full exhale, you probably go into some flexion. So we want to rehearse that because a lot of people are paradoxical here. So with spinal flexes, what we're doing is we're, we're beginning seated upright and cross-legged with our hands on our knees. And what we're going to do is basically think about, uh, I don't want you to think about arching and rounding your back. I'd ra- rather you think about your pelvis as a bowl and you're either spilling the bowl forward or spilling the bowl backwards. So imagine your pelvis is a bowl of uh, cereal. And you fill the thing right to the brim. There's too much milk. I haven't had cereal in forever, but just pretend. Um, so your pelvis is a bowl of Cheerios, and there are there is way too much milk in the bowl. Okay. Now, with your initial breath, so you're going to inhale as you spill the bowl forward, and you're going to exhale as you spill the bowl back. Inhale as you spill the bowl forward, and exhale as you spill those Cheerios back. And we're going to repeat for one to three minutes. And I'm actually going to do a couple of these with you right now. So we're beginning seated. We're cross-legged. Our hands are on our knees. And what we're going to do is imagine that bowl of Cheerios is your pelvis. And what you want you to do is inhale as you spill that bowl forward. And now exhale as you spill that bowl backwards. Inhale forwards, exhale backwards, inhale forwards, exhale backwards. Good job, guys. Continue that if you'd like for another few seconds. And the next one that we're going to do is called Sufi Grinds. Now, you're going to begin in the exact same upright cross-legged position with your hands on your knees. Now, what you're going to do is kind of rotate your entire torso in a big circle. So you're kind of coming forward, letting that body arch, that back arch. And then as you're coming back, you're doing that same spinal flex coming around the back. And you're going counterclockwise or clockwise and then switching directions. Now, what you're going to do here is actually inhale across the front of your body and exhale across the back. All right. So you're in that kind of seated cross-legged position with your hands on your knees. What you're going to do is inhale that whole forward range. So I'm beginning. I'm sitting cross-legged with my hands on my knees. And what I'm going to do is kind of side bend a little bit towards my right knee. Now I'm going to begin my inhale as I move my body as far forward as I can. And I'm going to be inhaling until I get to my left side. So I'm in the identical place I started on my other side. And that's what I'm going to begin to exhale. And then I'm going to posteriorly tilt my pelvis. And I'm going to hold that exhale. I'm going to keep exhaling across the entire Backside of my body 
until I get to the same place I started, and then I'm going to begin the next inhale. So for you guys, it kind of sounds like this. I'm seated cross-legged, hands on my knees. I'm kind of bent to the side, and what I'm going to do is begin my inhale as I move across my body. When I reach the other side, I'm going to begin my exhale, posteriorly tilt. Next inhale, focusing on arching and extending my spine as I inhale. And focusing on posteriorly tilting my pelvis and rounding a little bit as I reach my body back as far as I can and move across to the start position and begin the next inhale. You want to keep that going for at least a minute. The next one is a T-spine twist. This is like wringing out, you know, I think about like wringing out a bit of a, you know, like a towel or something, but what you're going to do here, and I'm going to kind of skip through the next few. I'm not going to spend as much time. Those first two are super important. We, I stole those. A lot of these exercises I stole from Kundalini Yoga. Uh, T-spine twists. What you're going to do here is begin seated upright and cross-legged with your hands overhead. Uh, and what you're going to do is actually put your hands just a few inches outside shoulder width. Now what you're going to do is actually rotate to the right as you reach your right arm behind you. And with your left hand, find that right knee as you wring out that spine and really get a good twist. Then you're going to inhale and return to the start position and repeat on the other side. So we are going to repeat this for one to three minutes. And what we're going to do is actually with that twist, with that ringing out of the spine, we're actually going to be exhaling. So to go to the left now, I'm going to take my left hand, reach it behind me. I'm twisting. I'm twisting. My right hand is finding my left knee. And I'm doing all of this as I'm exhaling. So I'm going to do a couple just kind of auditorily for you. I'm back to the start position. Reaching back with my right hand, left hand finds right knee. Back to start position. Exhaling. Right hand finds left knee, left hand reaches behind me. Back to start position. Repeat for one to three minutes. All right, now guys, the neck roll, the thing about the neck roll is that the breathing can be a little bit kind of seemingly backwards, but it's really not. Remember, we inhale when we extend and we exhale when we flex. So in the case of the neck, as we're coming forward with the Sufi grind, we were inhaling as we were coming forward because we were an extension. But when we're doing a neck roll, when we're coming forward, we're actually in a state of flexion. And when we're rolling back, we're in a state of extension. So what we're gonna do here is actually flip-flop the breathing seemingly. And what we're gonna do is actually exhale as that head starts going forward. So if you guys begin with me, just tilt your head kind of gently to the right and let it fall in a circle forward. And now exhale as you roll it to the other shoulder. And begin to pick it up and inhale as you roll it back. And when you reach the other shoulder, begin to exhale. And inhale as you begin to roll it back. And you're going to repeat this for five or so and then switch sides. And you can do up to 10, but 
Um, I actually would prefer you do five, 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 then 10, 10, if you're just starting out, because sometimes there's some asymmetry in the neck and sometimes you can get dizzy. And so be cautious of that and aim small, miss small. Even if you want to do two to the left, then two to the right, and then two to the left, then two to the right. If that's where you want to start, that's great. But sync the breathing. This is one of the most important things about this book. Sync your breathing with your movement. This is one of the things that a lot of people have backwards that really creates a lot of stress inside their system. And the best example is like in an, in the gym, if you're doing like a seated row, we're always taught to exhale on the exertion, right? But this is not anatomical breathing. This is not how we breathe 23,000 times a day. When I pull a seated row into my body, what state is my spine achieving? Extension. Therefore, as I'm pulling, what should I be doing, inhaling or exhaling? I should be inhaling. And I should be exhaling, not on the exertion, if I'm anatomically breathing during the seated row exercise, but I should be exhaling as I let the weight back to the rack, or if you're using dumbbells, back down. Does that make sense? So sometimes it's really good. Most people are doing so much biomechanical breathing. They're breathing in a way that stabilizes the spine, which is based on the Valsalva maneuver. So if you're been, if you're going to pick 375 pounds up off the floor, then you're not going to breathe anatomically. Okay. What you're going to do is actually probably hold your breath or you're going to exhale on the exertion if the exercise is something like maybe a bench press. Um, but in reality, you want to keep in mind anatomical breathing because when we learn that breathing pattern on an exercise like a heavy deadlift, A, we don't need to take that same breathing technique to all exercises. But B, if the gym is the only place we're consciously breathing, we flip-flop and and mess up our breathing in our daily lives. And so these exercises, one of the reasons it can release so much stubborn energy, and one of the reasons they can be so effective at making you feel better, breathe better, and move better, is because that paradoxical breathing, that biomechanical breathing, or Valsalva breathing, when not kind of contained within the exercises that demand it, and when we allow it to spill into 23,000 exercises a day, it creates a stressful environment inside the body because the body's like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure what's happening right now, but we're just going to keep doing it because it's what he or she likes. Uh, so keep that in mind. It's one of the most powerful ways. And again, I talked about the suboccipitals. And the next exercise is uh, the next exercise in the priming is actually some eye rolls. And with this, when we look up, we inhale. And when we look down, we exhale. When we look up, we inhale, and when we look down, we exhale. Eye movement exercises can be extremely powerful, and if you've been staring into a screen for 10 straight months, uh, do this one doubly purposefully because our eyes, if you don't use it, you lose it, and you should be able to track or trace the very outskirts of your eyes in both directions on demand, but don't be surprised if you do this with a partner your, your partner's eyes skip big sections of their potential vision. And that's because you're not using those sections often enough. So this exercise actually reminds your brain as to the areas we want to be able to see and explore. And 
kind of give back some of that motion uh, or vision that maybe we have forfeited due to just looking down or forward on our screens, etc. And again, looking up is extension, looking down is flexion, therefore looking down is exhalation, looking up is inhalation. Part four is breathing. Now, these exercises are direct kundalini mantra yoga type exercises, um, kind of mixed with, you know, I guess there's probably some like Tai Chi and, you know, there's a lot of disciplines that overlap, but I consider these pretty much a kundalini yoga set. The first one is a shakeout. And when you do this, I do this, you know, I pretty much do a hundred of these every morning. So I say one to three minutes. Um, but in reality, you know, if you just wanted to do a hundred, you could do that too. I do this with my eyes closed, ideally barefoot on the earth, my arms at my sides. And what I'm going to do is exhale fully to start and really try to focus on letting go of any tension you may be holding. Then what you're going to do is just barely leave the ground. You might not even leave the ground. Maybe you leave the ground a millimeter. Maybe you leave the ground a centimeter. Um, but what you want to do is kind of, you know, you can pretend you're jumping rope, but what I want you to do is allow the impact of your body kind of refinding or landing on the ground to send a ripple through the body, a ripple of relaxation that ultimately also causes an exhalation. So what you're going to do is kind of just use a little nose breath that kind of sounds like this. So you can think of this almost as like a piston breathing as you're just leaving the ground one centimeter, we'll say. And when you land, you're exhaling. And when you jump, you're inhaling. So it's again that anatomical breathing. The exhale should feel like a natural occurrence from the ripple of relaxation starting at the feet upon landing. The next one I call adrenal optimizers. And this is because when the arms impact the side, so your adrenal glands sit right on top of your kidneys, which is kind of on the posterior quadrants of your um, sides and lower back. And so when we begin seated upright, cross-legged with your arms at your sides and elbows bent at 90 degrees, we're in a really nice position to kind of activate those adrenal glands. So what we're going to do is trace a circle with your elbows both at the same time, and then impact those elbows into your sides. So what you're going to do is you're beginning, again, cross-legged with your arms at your sides, elbows bent at 90 degrees. You're going to trace the largest possible circle you can with both elbows, and you're going to begin to allow the elbows to more and more forcefully impact your sides to really kind of shake up those adrenal glands. And you're going to do this for one to three minutes. So it's, I really want you to almost like Wim Hof breathe this and really just let those impacts occur. Uh, it's a little tricky to do on the podcast, but really get into this. As you inhale, your head can kind of come up a little bit. And as you exhale, you can let those elbows impact your adrenals and kind of let that head drop a little bit. So we're still rehearsing that anatomical breathing. This is a really powerful exercise that I strongly recommend you do for at least one to two minutes. So you're inhaling as your elbows rise and trace and exhaling as they drop into that start position, but you're really letting them impact your sides as to more or less kind of embed that exhalation in. 
Next exercise is bird dogs, which I love. I chatted a lot about this exercise with Dr. Stuart McGill. What you want to do here is sink your breath so that you're inhaling as the opposing limbs rise and extend and exhaling as the elbow and knee come together beneath you. So what you do here is you begin on all fours with your hands beneath your shoulders and knees directly beneath the hips. You're going to extend the opposite arm and leg forward and, of course, backwards for the leg um, to achieve a near straight line from your hand to heel. Then you're going to flex both of those limbs so that the elbow and knee come together beneath your torso. You're going to repeat for a minute or two and then switch sides. And again, you're going to sink the breath. So you're inhaling as the arm and leg lift and exhaling as they come together. Inhaling as they lift, exhaling as they come together. Next exercise is called the lateral arm swing. And this is a bit of a Tai Chi exercise. And this really requires you to release all tension because your arms, think of you as, you know, when you're driving down like, you know, um, like a, you know, like a main street and like the, the gas station or the, um, pharmacy or the, whatever the oil change place, they have the, the, the arm flailing tube man that that's just like going crazy on the side of the road. It's like, you know, just going all over the place. That's you in the lateral arm swing. The only difference is your arms are only kind of, your elbows are staying below the shoulders. So you're not letting your arms go completely crazy. Although that is a great exercise that we do in yoga quite a bit. But what you're going to do here, begin standing, arms at your sides, exhale fully, let go of all the tension you may be holding. Now inhale softly and begin to gently turn your shoulders from side to side. Allow your arms to be weightless and tensionless, swinging them freely from the momentum of the movement of your torso. Feel how you naturally begin to incorporate the hips over time, and your opposing heel will eventually begin to lift off the ground as you turn to each side. So as you rotate to the left, allow your right hand to find the left shoulder and the back side of the left hand to find the right side of your lower back. You're going to go side to side and repeat for one to three minutes. So as you rotate to the left, your right hand finds your right shoulder, and the back side of your left hand finds the right side of your lower back. And of course, when you rotate to the right, your left hand finds your right shoulder, and the back side of your right hand finds the left side of your lower back. So this is the dance. There's also a video of this that I'll link to in the show notes, but you're going to inhale at the starting position and you're going to exhale as you go to each side. So it's a small breath and you're going to be actually inhaling every time you cross center on this one. So it's inhale, twist torso to the left, exhale as you do, inhale back to center. And as you're passing through center, you're exhaling as you go to the other side. So it's a very dynamic exercise that lets you release a lot of tension. I used to do this in my front yard in Venice um, every morning, and my neighbors thought I was absolutely crazy. Next one's called Aura Builders. Uh, this is a fantastic exercise that is just amazing for the fascial system because you are truly putting uh, a lot of those fascial trains on stretch here through a dynamic movement that combines anatomical breathing with a total body movement. So begin standing with your feet set wider than your shoulders. 
Ideally, again, you're barefoot on the earth with your arms fully stretched out to your sides. So your body is, your torso anyway, is like a block of cement. Now to begin, I want you to exhale fully at the top, okay? Let go of all tension. You're in this cross position with your arms stretched out to the sides. Exhale fully. Now what I want you to do is inhale and reach your left hand to your right foot as you exhale just a little bit. Now return to center and inhale again. So it's exhale as we reach down to the foot, inhale as we come up, and we are going opposite. So so you are standing, your arms are stretched out to the sides. I want you to take an inhale, and as you bring, your arms are staying in this rigid cross position, but you're gonna bring your right hand to your left foot as you exhale slightly. (laughs) Then come up as you inhale fully. Left hand to right foot, maintaining so your right arm is going into the air. Return to start position, and this is how it goes. Right foot, excuse me, right hand to left foot. Back to start position. Left hand to right foot. Back to start position. And so on. This is an incredibly powerful exercise. It's a common kundalini exercise. You're going to probably hear some hip popping if you're doing this first thing in the morning, but it's a great way to really move some energy. Now, speaking of which, the energy push is one of my absolute favorite exercises. This is one from Paul Check. This is one from How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. And what you're going to do is begin standing with your feet shoulder width apart, ideally barefoot on the earth, of course, your arms fully outstretched in front of you. Now, what I want you to do is powerfully inhale as you pull your arms into your chest and fill your body with all the vitality and positive energy in the universe as you do. So what you're going to do is your arms, you're standing, your arms are stretched right out in front of you. What I want you to do is... Pull in the good and push out the bad. This is one that you can exhale through your mouth if you'd like. Uh, If you want to elevate the experience, get a little bit dizzy, a little bit high, but it really helps to to really push out the, the negative if you're using your mouth. So what I want you to do again, we're standing, feet shoulder width apart, out arms outstretched in front of you. Powerfully inhale as you pull your arms into your chest. With that air, pull all the vitality and positive energy in the universe. Visualize the energy just coming into you and filling and revitalizing all of your cells, nourishing your entire body. Keep your shoulders down, shoulders are ear poison, and avoid building any tension in the shoulders and neck while you're doing this. Now what I want you to do is descend into a squat as you push all of the negative energy that might be within you out. So descend... And on the way back up, you're going to pull in all that positive energy again. So stand and squat. So again, anatomical breathing. You're going to repeat this for one to three minutes, or you could do it up to a 100 times and really get into this, guys. If you use your mouth to breathe, you can really get kind of dizzy. Uh, You can also use your nose, but it's incredibly powerful when you use your mouth, um, as we do often in Kundalini. The next one is called Breathing Chops. This is another one I borrowed from Paul Check. And what this does is it kind of takes that previous exercise, 
to the next level. What we're going to do is begin standing with your feet slightly shoulder width apart and your hands clasped in front of you. What you're going to do is extend the spine. So powerfully inhale as you pull your hands straight up over your head as high as you possibly can. Feel your rib cage expanding as you fill your body with this inhale. Ready? Now what you're going to do is forcefully wood chop your energy downwards straight between your two legs as you exhale. And then return to the starting position with a powerful inhale. And exhale as you chop this energy through your legs. Inhale to start. Now, after you do a couple of these, uh, you're going to begin chopping to the left and to the right to really start to move some energy within you. Repeat this for one to three minutes, going center, left, right, center, left, right. And you're going to sink your breath. So you're always inhaling at the starting position or at the standing position and always completing that forceful exhale at the bottom of the chop. This is another super powerful exercise that really moves a ton of energy. So guys, I hope you enjoyed Breathe Better, Move Better. I hope this was helpful. It is a powerful morning practice that I highly recommend you guys employ for at least 30 days or so. Do this five days a week for 30 days and see how you feel. This is a Strength conditioning meets kundalini yoga, meets uh, Paul Check zone exercises, uh, meets conventional stretching, all tied into one. And I think it is going to give you some amazing, amazing results. I hope you enjoyed this show. And again, I do hope it was helpful. And if you did find it helpful, uh, please send it around. Send it to somebody that needs this practice. And again, they can head on over to rungalife.com slash newsletter and download the book for free. So I hope that they enjoy it. And I hope you are able to share it with anybody that could benefit from this practice. And I'm, I'm excited to be giving this book away for free. You know, it was on the website for sale for 20 bucks for, for quite a while. And, and I just wanted to kind of, uh, give it away. So here it is. Enjoy. Have a great weekend, guys, if you're listening to this show on Friday, and I will chat with you soon. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. For the show notes for today's episode, head on over to coachjoedi.com and click podcast from the menu. If you'd like to leave a review, which I would absolutely appreciate on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you found this show, please do so. These mean the world to me. They help me understand what my audience is gaining from these shows that I'm pouring my heart into and ultimately helps us to reach more people because these platforms like shows that get reviews. So it helps us out so much. If you're digging the shows, this would be so great if you could just leave a review. Also, I still give away $150 every two weeks to kettlebellkings.com to somebody that reviews my show. So if you leave a review, just screenshot it and email it to hey at coachjodi.com and my team will enter you to win this $150 gift card so that you can outfit your home with a couple of kettlebells on me. Also, when you're in the show notes, you'll find links to any products that we discussed. For full transparency, some of these links 
do contain affiliate links. This helps me to fund these episodes, pay my staff, and ensure that I'm taking care of the people that take care of us. So I absolutely appreciate you clicking links and using codes. It helps keep this train on the tracks. All right, guys, until next week, thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate you guys subscribing and listening to this show every week. I really put a lot into them, so thank you so much. And you'll hear from me again next week. Take care.